for those that don't know, my name's Matt. I, tr I try really hard normally before a service to say hello to as many people as possible. Um, but this, this service, that's just a little bit, you know when you're a bit frazzled and you're just running around a bit headless? As I didn't actually say hello to many people. So sorry if I didn't say hello to you, but consider this a hello. So imagine we're just one-on-one -on -one in a room, sat on a table, hello. That was weird. Uh, you run away, so that's understandable. Um, we're going through at the moment, um, uh, actually we're going through a book in the Bible at the moment um, called Philippians. Um, and last week Rob spoke to us um, looking at the first chapter in Philippians. And um, for those that don't know, Philippians is a book written by Paul um, to a church in Philippi, um, a church that actually was started um, by a woman called Lydia, um, who with a group of people were um, down by a river and were praying. And uh, it led to Lydia opening up her house um, and a church starting there in Philippi. Um, as you can probably tell, we're a big advocate of women leaders here at church. Um, and so if you are female, feel very welcome. We see you, we know you, God sees you, God knows you, you are leaders. Um, it's a wonderful thing. Um, but this uh, chapter now um, that we're going to go through is, is chapter two. Um, and I'm actually going to read a big chunk of it. Um, for us as a church, um, actually Paul writes in another letter in Timothy, um, that we are to commit ourselves to the public reading of scripture. Um, and so I'm going to read uh, a big old chunk for us um, in Philippians 2. Does anyone have their Bible with them? It's going to be quite Bible-y, um, so do get out. If it's on your phone, that's also okay. It's less good. It's less real. Um, they miss bits out. Um, it's less anointed, I've heard. Um, so paper Bibles, um, I'm only joking. Um, it will also come up on the screen as well if you, if you don't have either of those means. Um, so here we go. I'm going to read from verse 1 all the way through to uh, verse 18. And here's what it says. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. 
Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ I did not run or labor in vain, but even if I am poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and serving coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. So Father God, as we have read this, we thank you that your word is alive by your spirit and we pray now that as I've read these words, you'll be speaking to us, you'll be encouraging us, you'll be telling us a little bit more about who you are, that we now would actually have an encounter with you, the living God, through the words that we read in the Bible. And God help me, amen. (laughs) I might look quite basic. Um, I'm just a guy with a shaved head and average clothes. But let me tell you, one time I met Prince Harry. I know, it's the real deal. There was this one time I was at a, actually at a music festival when I was uh, a teenager, about 18 or 19. Um, and I was working at a festival on a curry store with a wonderful family called the Mullocks who go to the community church, which is part of our kind of church family. Um, and as part of working at the festival, I got to enjoy some of the music. Um, the festival was WOMAD Festival. Anyone heard of WOMAD? A beautiful festival, a festival world, uh, world of music and dance. It's music from all over the world, lots of different people. Um, but as part of working there, I also got a backstage pass. Oh, <laughs> I know. So you thought I was basic, but look at me now. Um, and there was this one time that I was uh, 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 getting a drink out the back, and I just look over and I see, who's that ginger guy? And he looks, he looks familiar. I wonder what he's up to, and I get a little bit closer, and then I suddenly see he's surrounded by some, I actually had hair back then, but he's surrounded by some big, burly, bold men. I'm like, this guy must be important. I actually see that one of them under his jacket, had a gun. I think, oh, okay, this guy's serious. I get a little bit closer, and I see it's Prince Harry having a drink. I've got an NDA, so I can't say much more than that. Um, but having a drink, I think, wow, what is this guy doing here? But then the next thing surprised me even more, and I saw Prince Harry get down on all fours, and form a human pyramid. I thought, what is going on here? I need to get in on that action. And so me there as a teenage lad made a human pyramid with Prince Harry. What a story. I'm pretty much royalty now, and um, we're best mates, and we hang out all the time. That's not true at all, I don't know who he is. But it was a wonderful moment, and a moment where I thought, um, and actually I want to ask us the question, um, has anything ever surprised you? Have you seen someone or or, or known about someone a little bit, but when you got a little bit closer, you found out they were very different to what you thought they were going to be like? And for me, I thought, oh, Prince Harry, he's gonna be all like princey and doing princey things, and he's probably going to be wearing a robe and like maybe a little crown. He's probably going to be carrying a sword and like knighting people. Um, but to be backstage and see Prince Harry, just a guy, making a human pyramid at a muddy festival, it surprised me. 
And I want to ask all of us a question now as we start looking at this passage. Actually, what do you think of God? What do you think God is like? And what are your perceptions of God? You might be brand new to church and just exploring faith and you might be on a bit of a spiritual journey and so you're just sort of exploring and therefore you're just going to different places, chatting to different people and seeing how, how it feels. Um, you might be someone that um, through exploring spirituality has uh, got into kind of, there's the universe, the universe is out there and if we put stuff out to the universe, um, things will come back to us and if we manifest things, if we kind of do our mantras every morning, um, then things will come back to us and that's a sort of a, uh, a faith that we have or you might believe that there is a God who created the world and uh, there must be something more out there than what we're experiencing in just our, our life. Um, you might even think, oh, there's a God and maybe that God is real, maybe that God interacts with us now, but we don't really know what that, that looks like and what that's, that's all about. Um, you might even think, actually, there is a God, and the more I've been part of church and the more I've been around, uh, actually, maybe God is uh, a God who has control over things, or a God who um, enacts his will across the, the world, and we're a part of God's plan for what's going on, and we just kind of totter along and, uh, and are living out the things that God wants to see. Or, or maybe you, you think, actually, God is a father. And for you, a father is someone who is uh, sort of quite strict, perhaps, or has a set of rules and says, actually, this is what we should do to live well. And for, for you, God is someone that you listen to to teach you how to live, live well. Maybe even for you, God is, is love. And for you, actually, God is loving and and forgiving, and you know that when you come to God, you'll be welcomed with a warm embrace, and you'll be forgiven, and then you can live your life well. Different people all across here, all of us, will have different thoughts on what God is actually like. I want us to press into that, because I think it's such an important question for us to consider and think about. Because whatever God is impacts the very life that we are living impacts our motives, impacts our purpose, impacts the way that we interact with each other as well as the way we interact with God himself. And if we go into our passage now, as Paul is writing this letter, this passage pivots on a key moment. And the key moment is what sometimes is called the Christ hymn. Um, And that's a a poetic bit of writing that Paul has written um, from verse 5 all the way through to, to verse 11. And I'll read it again for us. And this is Paul who is saying, this is who Jesus is. Hey, if you want to know what God is like, let me tell you what God is like. First thing here, it says, as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God... So when we look at who Jesus is, we can see this is who God is and how God interacts with us. We continue to reading, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, remember this is God, he humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Is that what you expect of God? The creator of the world, whatever you think about God, the almighty God, the holy God, the out there God, the God who humbled himself and emptied himself. In verse seven it says, rather he made himself nothing. And in other translations, it's, and God uh, who poured himself out over us. The Greek word for that is, is kenosis, which, which literally means a pouring out of, an emptying of. And a lot of people and theologians use that to explain how God can be both God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit that Jesus poured himself out and, um, and therefore could come under the will of God. And then when we read Jesus' story, we see that it says Jesus um, only did what he saw the Father doing. But what we also can read here is that not only is kenosis, that, that pouring out, about how Jesus interacts with the the Trinity, it also speaks of how God wants to save us. It speaks of the very nature of God, that he doesn't see himself as distant and far away, but he wants to be close to his people. Do you see God as someone who's far away? Or do you know him as someone who wants to be close to you on a personal level? intimate level. Jesus poured himself out. And that wasn't just a one moment. We see that through the whole of his life. He was constantly pouring himself out to other people. He could have lorded it over all of us. Being God, he could have said, hey, just do what I want you to do. Get on my side or I'm going to smite you. Lightning, but he didn't. He chose to humble himself. God humbled himself for me and you so that we could be saved, so we could be in relationship, perfect relationship with God. Do you know God in a personal relationship? Jesus willingly set aside his own rights, his own privileges, in order to serve others. And for him, what that looked like is coming in the form of a servant, being born in a humble manger, living a life of poverty and obedience. It even meant dying on a cross. It's the complete opposite of pride and self-assertion. John Barclay, the theologian, says this, kenosis, which is the pouring out of yourself, is not just a one-time event in the life of Christ, but a pattern that runs throughout his whole life. It is in the pattern of his incarnation, his life of service, his death on the cross, and his resurrection. And it is this pattern that makes our salvation possible. But here's the thing, it's not just Jesus suffered and was humiliated and put on the cross and died a horrible, horrific death 
for us. Actually, this is about power and transformation. By Jesus emptying himself, he revealed to us the very true nature of who God is. He revealed to us the very nature of what love and power looks like in the kingdom of God. And it doesn't look like pride. It doesn't look like I'm looking out for myself. It doesn't look like I'm all about me. What it looks like is I pour myself out for you. He modeled to us Jesus, what it looks like to be part of the kingdom of God, what it looks like for a new creation, what it's going to look like at the very end of the story when we see that everything is made right, is that we aren't self-centered people, but we are people that are looking out for the other. Jesus left everything for us so that we could leave everything for others. We see in verse 9, Paul writes this. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. Every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God rewrites the rule book of what it looks like to live good lives. He rewrites the rule book of what good living looks like. He did it so that you and me could be free. I personally have come to know that as being true, and you might be on all sorts of different levels of that journey, but my encouragement for you is push in. Ask those questions, what is God like? And maybe you'll find, as Paul writes, as I find, as lots of us here have found, a loving God who pours himself out for you, for a personal relationship with you, to love you, to give you a purpose, to be with you in the highs and the lows. He's not a distant God. He's a God who is close to you. But here's a challenge for us, and maybe this is just for the Christians that are knocking around in here. Because you can just take that and you can be like, great, okay, now I'm sorted, now I'm all fine, now I'm okay, great, there's a loving God who poured himself out for me, tick that box, I'm done, see you later, saved. But here's the reality. Actually, what Paul is writing into is he's trying to encourage a group of Christians that are facing conflict of how they should be acting in the world. As he says, and it's the most annoying word maybe ever in the Bible, ever, ever, therefore. I hate a therefore. It means now I'm gonna have to get involved. Actually, this isn't just because of me. Actually, there is a response that this calls out from me. Jesus laying himself down for me means that I now need to therefore do something. Not out of duty, but out of a sense of being so loved and being right with God. Right at the very beginning of chapter two, it says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirits, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, do nothing 
out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. See, kenosis, the pouring out of yourself, is not just about Jesus, not just the historical events that happened way back then, but it's a pattern actually for our Christian living. When we follow Christ's example, we too can empty ourselves of our own desires and agendas in order to serve others and to bring about God's kingdom. What I love about Paul is that he's real, because it's really hard. I don't know about you, but being humble is an easy thing for me to say. It's a bit of a buzzword, isn't it? Stay humble. I'm humble. But I look at myself and sometimes I'm like, do you know what? I'm not that humble. (laughs) I even sometimes will use humility as a way of one-upping other people. (laughs) Have you ever done that before? Where it's, oh, you know, God's will, not mine. (laughs) But you do something good and you're like, oh, the glory of God. Like it's the right answer you're meant to say. Like I'm trying to up myself in Christian land of being, I'm a real good Christian, so whenever I do something that's good, I say, glory of God. (laughs) What does genuine humility look like? And not the false kind of humility of I do myself down and uh, I kind of, um, I do down the things that God is doing through me and the things that I do because the way God has gifted me that's good, not a, not a false humility. What does genuine humility look like for us? What does genuinely pouring yourself out for other people look like for you? Like the reality is when I look at my life, what it looks like is really hard. And Paul knows it because he's even saying in, uh, later on, um, therefore don't grumble, don't moan. Do you know what? It's gonna lead you to grumble and moan. So you're going to have to put yourself lower down than other people. Jesus humbled himself, seen as the lowest of the low, lived a life of poverty. Surely I can humble myself. Surely I can see others as higher up than me. Surely I can pour out my life to other people. Actually, what happens if all of us do that? Like what would genuinely happen if every single one of us right now poured ourselves out to the person next to us? Well, we didn't live in comfort and live in kind of security and, uh, and live in, oh, I need to protect kind of my thing because it's just really nice. But said, actually, I'm going to pour everything out to the person next to me. What happened is you as a one person, you've got two people next to you, you're getting double. <laughs> you're getting a double pouring out. It's a beautiful thing when you think about it. Every single one of us poured our lives fully out, humbled ourselves. Every single one of us did that. What would it look like? In your workplace, in your family, what would it look like if you saw others as more than you? In challenging situations, what would it look like for you to think of others rather than yourselves? Now, that can sound quite judgy. I'm aware of that. It can sound heavy. Here's another wonderful bit of 
of the verse. And why I want to encourage you to keep on questioning, to keep on asking that question, what is God like? Because here's what Paul says. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fill, fulfill his good purposes. Beautiful thing is we don't need to struggle and strive. We just need to lean in a bit into Jesus. It says that God will do it for you. God will show you how to be humble to other people. God will show you how to live a life like Jesus that poured out everything. God will work it, but we need to lean in. I've spoken for enough, so I'm going to wrap up now. But who is God to you? What's his character like? Who is Jesus? Therefore, who are you? Maybe you've not met Jesus before. Maybe this is brand new to you. Maybe this is your opportunity to meet a Jesus who is loving, who pours himself out for you, who dies for you. Maybe you thought God was the angry guy in the sky. He's not. He loves you. Whatever has happened in your life, whatever you've been, whether you're born on purpose or whether you're born by mistake, whatever you've done through your life now, whether you feel right now, right at this moment, oh my goodness, I'm sat in a church and why am I not burning up because if only people around me knew what I had done, God sees you, knows you, and loves you, has poured himself out for you. Maybe this now is an opportunity on your journey of exploring to meet Jesus. I can promise you from personal experience it will change your life. All it takes is one step. Actually, we're going to take time to pray for people now. And maybe you want to take that step. You're like, actually, I'm kind of new and I don't really know what to do. But I know I want that. I know I want to know a God that loves me. A God that humbled himself and died on the cross for me. Now is an opportunity to know him for real. Maybe you're in another camp and you're like, oh man, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but I'm a little bit stale right now. I'm a little bit bored, I'm a little bit comfortable. My chats with other people are just a bit like, ah, uh, it's just nice. Actually pouring yourself out for other people, humbling yourself is so exciting. It's the work of the kingdom, God's kingdom coming here. You'll see change. It's actually your invitation into the whole salvation story and redemption of our world. Now is the time to step forward because it's God who works in us, not us who does it in ourselves. Maybe now is the time to come and be humble before Jesus. And so I'm going to pray for us now and then hand back to Nigel who's going to lead us into response and more worship time. Father God, I thank you that you're not distant and far away, even though sometimes we could feel like you are. I thank you that you poured yourself out for me, for us, for you. Father, I thank you 
that you love us. And God, now in this choir, in this time of prayer, we come close to you again. We maybe put aside some preconceptions of who we thought you were and come to you as a loving father. And Father, for us that might be a little bit kind of passive in our faith and feel a little bit like, oh, I'm just a small little flame, I pray that you would fan us into a huge flame. God, I pray actually against the apathy or even hard-heartedness where we don't want to pour ourselves out for other people, where we are just caught or maybe we don't know about it or maybe just now we've had a little point where it's all self-centeredness or oh, I think about myself a little bit too much or oh, this last week, ah. God, I thank you that we can come to you and you make us fresh again. I pray that you stir us into action, not to be self-centered, but to focus on your world, on your city, on your people. Help us, God, we pray. In your name, amen.